Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today we will be discussing The Legend of Korra, Season 2, Episode 4, titled Civil Wars Part 2. A really good conclusion to a really good arc. I really like what they did with the second half of this Civil Wars storyline. How they concluded this highlight of an otherwise muddled season. Because part one was the building of tensions between the North and the South. This slow... Ratcheting up of grievances, this slow ratcheting up of of disagreements between the North and the South. And this episode is all of that little stuff just reaching its climax and just exploding into what by the end becomes an all-out civil war between the Northern Water Tribe and the Southern Water Tribe. And it's a really, really satisfying climax to such an expert building of tensions between these two tribes. Uh, But before we get into, you know, the good stuff, before we get into that, let's just get out of the way the not great thing about this episode the big reveal the major revelation that is made in this episode that Udalok is indeed the villain of the season that in fact he has been manipulating events from the very beginning For his own nefarious purposes. And not only did he use the Avatar for his own selfish desires, not only did he rig Tonrock's trial to get rid of him, but he also oversaw Tonrock's banishment from the Northern Water Tribe. Many years ago. How shocking. What an unpredictable reveal. There is no possible way 
anyone could have ever saw that coming at any point throughout the last several episodes. It came entirely out of left field. Yeah, this this is the most predictable plot twist of all time. This is the most predictable plot twist that any Avatar show has ever had. Anyone who's been paying attention really at all could probably see coming from a mile away that Unalak was not on the up and up. That Unalak was very clearly doing something shady. If not a main villain, he was definitely some random sleazeball in the background. Like, this is just... It's entirely predictable. It's very easy to call this out. And... See, here's the thing. Now that we know Unalak is the villain, I feel like now is a pretty good time to talk about why I don't like Unalak. Why I don't like Unalak. Why I don't like Unalak. Why I think Unalak is not a good villain. I like to refer to Unalak as Kmart Ozai. Unalak is Kmart Ozai. And when I say that, what I mean is, like, they're clearly trying to do an Ozai-esque dynamic of, <laughs> I want to control everything because I'm evil, I guess. But, whereas Ozai had, like, three seasons of Avatar... To be built up in the background as this terrifying, imposing, menacing figure. Where, whereas with Ozai, you had like 60 episodes to become progressively more and more and more afraid of him. And they built that menace up very, very well. Unalak, like, I'm not scared of this dude. He's just some random guy. I never feel any fear about him. Uh, I never care about him because, like, the family struggles he initiates are fairly petty. Like, and it's just, I don't feel anything about Unalak. Like, up until this point, we've had a couple different kinds of villains. Like, we've had... Really, really menacing villains, and we've had really, really compelling villains. Zuko, when he was a villain, compelling as all hell. Azula, menacing as all hell. And very compelling at the same time. Ozai, extremely menacing. Uh, Amon, perfect balance of the two. He was terrifying and also really, really compelling, like... Every single Avatar villain has had, at, up until this point, some sort of weighting of those two things. But with Unalak, it just all falls flat, and I don't really give a shit. So, yeah. There's that. Unalak is not a good villain. I don't like him. 
But anyway, that reveal aside, that predictable, totally fell flat reveal aside, there's some amazing moments in this episode, and it tells a really, really, really solid story overall. Oh, I love the trial sequence. This really, really unsettling moment of Korra basically fighting for her parents' freedom. Korra just getting up there and being like, Hey, screw you. Let my parents go. Meanwhile, the judge is having none of it. Bolin's in the background trying to object and declare a mistrial like a goddamn idiot. Oh, also, speaking of Bolin being a goddamn idiot, he also gave bribery money to some random people that could not do anything at all to affect the trial. <laughs> Friggin' idiot. Frickin' stupid idiot. But of course, this trial ends with... Korra's mother being freed. And Korra's father being sentenced to death. But then, Unalak, in his classic manipulation that I don't care about... Says, oh, I'll, I'll sentence him to life in prison. Wouldn't it have been... Wouldn't it have been easier to just have the judge proclaim life in prison? Like, what did... Because they say earlier, they say later, rather, in the episode that Unalak freeing Korra's mother was him keeping Korra on his side. But... Then he also goes out of his way to be like, hey, don't kill these people to also get Korra on his side. I feel like freeing the mother would be enough, but whatever. It's an unsettling moment nonetheless. Like, look, I'm nitpicking because I don't like Unalak, but this is a really, really good moment. This is a really good sequence. Uh, and then, like, of course, Korra's mother's all broken up about this. So, after some debating among the family, Korra is just like, I'm going to attack the judge. I'm going to threaten the judge to tell me what the hell's going on. And it's really badass. It's really amazing to just watch Korra go all mob boss on this judge. Like, it's not what I want. It's what Naga wants. <laughs> Almost Feeding him to the polar bear dog. <laughs> it's pretty great. It's pretty awesome. I love it. And of course the judge spills the beans of Unalak rigged the trial. Unalak banished Tonrock. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, this leads into a prison break. Uh, Korra, Mako, and Asami decide they're going to free... Tonrock from prison. And this goes very poorly. Because Unalak has already 
begun the process of transferring Tonrock and the other prisoners to the Northern Water Tribe. Uh, but you get this really, really awesome fight sequence uh, between Korra and Ko uh, and Unalak. And it's really, really cool. It's really, really awesome. Uh, and then this leads to the big set piece of the episode, the boat sequence, which starts off in the most hilarious way possible. Oh my god, so, um, <laughs> Bolin is walking down the street, tugging along Varric, who's still hiding in his, like, platypus bear costume, which, by the way, that running gag is hilarious. <laughs> Every time Varric's face pops out of that freaking platypus bear... <laughs> it's so amazing. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. It's so awesome. I love it. It's such a good bit. But anyway, Bolin's just walking around, tugging along Varric in his platypus bear costume. And then Varric, by the way, Julie's in there with him, which is weird. But then Varric's like, Julie, do the thing. And then, like, the platypus bear starts pooping money. <laughs> they start discarding money from the anus of the platypus bear. And my favorite line of all time happens. That platypus bear is pooping money! <laughs> <laughs> and everyone just starts grabbing for the money, which, I mean, look. Obviously, this wasn't actually in a platypus bear's anus, but from the outside looking in, it sure looks like that money was in the platypus bear's anus. I wouldn't touch that money. <laughs> I would not be touching money. From a platypus bear's anus. I don't care how desperate you are. I could be living on the street. Homeless. Dirty. Sick. Like just starving to death. If I saw money come out of a platypus bear's anus. I wouldn't go for it. Because it's like. Ugh. Ugh. That. That was in a creature's anus. I don't want that. How many times can I say the word anus in this recap of a Legend of Korra episode? <laughs> How many times have I have I said the word anus? Please, someone, call in and give me an official anus counter. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know officially how many times I've said the word anus in this episode. It, it needs to be a thing. But anyway... They use this anus money as a distraction to get Bolin and Varric onto the boat without anyone noticing. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Korra, Mako, and Asami show up and they're like, hey, we need to get to a boat that is taking my father to the Northern Water Tribe. 
And Barrett's like, cool, you have to take out that blockade first. And so we get this awesome scene with a plane. Also, I love how brilliant of an inventor Varric is. This is the man that invented movers. This is the man that had the brilliant idea to deliver money via a platypus bear's anus. But he never thought to build a runway for the plane on his boat. (laughs) He never thought to build... A freaking runway. Uh, but you have this awesome moment where Mako and Korra are on the back of this plane that Asami's flying. And they're taking out this blockade. It's awesome. It's absolutely badass. I love it. Uh, and then, of course, they do this raid on the boat that is carrying Tonrock. And that is a really awesome sequence as well. Uh, they managed to free Tonrock. They managed to free the other rebels. And they make it back to Varric's boat, where Korra tells Tonrock all the things that Unalak did that really was not surprising in the least. And Tonrock's like, oh, crap. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be fighting Unalak now. You need to get the Republic forces, the United forces, on our side. So go back to Republic City and convince the president to do that. Uh, We'll stay here. We'll fight the North. Uh, Okay, bye. So that happens. And we get a nice little drift out to sea. More on this later. Uh, I need to talk about the Tenzin and Iki subplot. Uh, Tenzin finds Iki and she's just sitting at a table with a bunch of bison who she proclaims as her new brothers and sisters. And Tenzin is just like, oh, this is cute. Also, I hate my siblings as well, so I'll just sit down. With, with Iki and the, and these bison babies, and it'll be a nice fun time. And what we get is this, like, this amazing parallel between Iki and Tenzin. Iki being mad at Denora and, uh, Milo. Tenzin being mad at Bumi and Kaya. And then both having these sibling struggles. These strikingly similar sibling struggles, and this whole subplot with them is so freaking brilliant. This whole subplot with them is absolutely incredible. So, that all happens, and they decide, hey, we'll return. Tenzin returns with Iki. Uh, Iki and her siblings make up. Tenzin and his siblings make up. And it's a really, really nice, really heartwarming moment. This is a nice subplot. This is a nice, innocent, uplifting as all hell subplot. And I love it. Oh, and finally, you know, you, you know what I'm going to mention next. You know what I'm going to mention next. <laughs> 
Bolin and Eska. <laughs> the Bolin and Eska subplot reaches peak insanity here when Bolin is continuing to try and break up with Eska, and somehow these breakups result in Eska forcing Bolin to marry her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god hey I want to break up with you okay we're engaged now how does that happen <laughs> it's so absurd and hilarious I love it and then of course Bolin like escapes with everyone else on that boat and is more than anything else escaping Eska. <laughs> and then you get that ending, which is so perfect, of Eska freaking just going nuts. Eska just rampaging towards the boat, creating this tidal wave behind her. And Bolin and, and Varric have this amazing exchange of dialogue to any episode. Hey, Varric, any chance this boat is fast enough to escape my crazy, waterbending ex-girlfriend? What do you think I made this boat for? <laughs> and then the boat just speeds away. At an absurd speed. Oh, it's great. I love it. I love this whole Bolin-esque subplot. It's the best thing about this season, quite frankly. It's it's fantastic. Oh, uh, but yeah. Really, really good closing out of this arc. Uh, is it amazing? No. It has predictable moments, especially the whole Unalak thing. But it's fine. It's really, really good. I, I really, really like pretty much everything about it. And it's certainly one of the highlights of this very, very flawed season. If you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button. On the Anchor app, I will play those on the show from time to time. If you feel so inclined to send those in, please, please, someone call in with an official anus counter. I need to know how many times I said the word anus in this episode. Get it done. Internet, go. 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 Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show, Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Tomorrow, we will be discussing The Legend of Korra Season 2, Episode 5, in which I will be saying the word anus. A lot less than I said the word anus today. Talk to you then.